Hi, I'm Marika and welcome to Money Chill Out. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading flows in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindsets, investment habits and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. And when you're ready to go further in mastering your finances, come and work with me on a one-to-one coaching. You'll grow your awareness, move on with your projects, and have an accountability buddy to track your progress. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Sof and Val, the woman behind Saving Sisters, an Instagram account that helped demystify the real estate market. They launched last summer, already have a community of more than 10,000 followers, a team of around 15 freelancers, and they provide group coaching from A to Z to help young people with their first buy. Sophie has a real estate background from her studies, and Valerie is very interested in investments. She hangs for financial freedom. With their first salaries, they each bought a flat and to continue investing, they launched a holding. Then I have multiple properties near Perpignan in the south of France at the age of 25 and 27. So let's see how they do it and how they started. So hi, Sof and Val, how are you? Great, thank Great. you. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy to have you really on this podcast and thanks for your time. It's actually my first time ever interviewing two people, so it's really exciting. Who's the chatty one, do you think? Uh, I think if the podcast was in French, I would probably be, but uh, I will probably be Val. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. So can you tell us a bit about your background and how it came to you to launch Saving Sisters? This is Val. (laughs) I've been working on my own companies for a while now, and I've been like telling Sophie, we need to start something together. I really wanted to work with her because obviously she's my sister, but also we get along very well. And so our shared interest in investments and real estate and our love for just like sharing that with other people is what brought us to launch uh, Instagram mm-hmm. to start with. Yeah, I done all my studies in, in real estate. I also did all my internships and I worked for a developer for a few years. So I really wanted to start a company before my 30s and in uh, this industry. So uh, in real estate, and like Val said, we wanted to do something together. And she's also really passionate about investment and real estate. So yeah, that's basically why we started this company. That sounds great. So you started to provide free online content and realized pretty fast that actually a lot of people need guidance. So that's why you created a group coaching program. And I was really surprised because it's very demanding. It's every week for six months. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit more and how many people you've coached so far? Yeah. So actually we started last summer and we had a lot of 
private message. Um, and we started answering all these messages. So we said, okay, in September, we need to actually yeah, structure this. Yeah, structure a little bit more. So we start a new coaching every month for six months. That's right. We now coach like over 100 people. And so basically we structure it every week. So every week we have a coaching session and we help them step-by-step step invest in real estate. So first we'll go over, you know, like their strategy, their objectives, and then we help them like with the actual process. So find a property, how to negotiate, um, how to then look for financing and everything. So step-by-step, week-by-week uh, for six months. And the goal after six months is to have their first investment property. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. And and especially 100 people after, what, a few months? <laughs> Great. So if you take about your experience, because you're so invested in properties, that's why you really want to share knowledge and so on. So you bought your first property at 22. My question is not necessarily on the first buy, because I guess if you have a salary and if you're not a big spender, maybe you can save a bit and then access the property market. But like my question would be more how to continue, because now you have multiple properties around the south of France. And the issue often is not the monthly mortgage repayment, but having the capital on the side in order to have your deposit. So how did you do? Mm -hmm. So in France, there are actually options to get financed 110%, meaning that you don't need to put upfront capital. You don't need to put like 10% or 20% down. Often the bank can finance you up to 110%. But then there's also different ways, you know, like we took the cash from the first investment properties, saved it up, invested it again. You can also start a company. And so basically, same system is they, you re-inject the capital. And so the bank finances not only you, but also like the company. So it's more, Mm. let's say the bank like is going to look at the risk, but if you do it through an SCE, uh, the risk is a little bit more limited. And the more investment properties you have, the less risky it becomes in the eyes of the bank. And so the more likely they are to keep investing with you and, and demanding less capital. Okay. But then there's also different you can ask for. So you can buy a property and then you can start only repaying, you know, a year later, or two years later, or three years later. And that allows you to then keep all of the, um, the revenues, the yeah. revenues. Yeah. So basically you keep it the at rents. month by month, the rent, and then you only, um, you know, you save up for like a year, two years, three years, and then you start paying back uh, your mortgage. And that allows you to keep to that cash and to re-inject it into another property as well. And then, well, we didn't do it at first, but you can also, if you're a little bit strapped for cash, you can also do buy a property, you do some renovations and you sell it back and you have, yeah, you have more capital that comes in and that you can reuse also for um, another investment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the last point is really about time and effort because you're redoing all the space, but then yeah, there's a potential high gain at the end. So, which is interesting. So for you, are you really in the long term, short term or mix of both when you rent? Mix of both. Yeah, (laughs) we do a mix of both. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do a lot. We like to, we tell most people to do the same thing as well. Obviously it depends on the area where you invest in because the area has to, you know, allow for a short-term rental or long-term. But for us, where we live and where we invest, it allows us to both. And that's why it's so profitable for us, at least. Mm -hmm. So do you do long-term over like 
from September to June or something and short term during the, the summer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. And how is it to work as a sister? <laughs> <laughs> we actually were already really close. Um, but I think that now that we work together, it, it's getting worse. <laughs> we're even <laughs> we're closer. Getting closer and closer. And yeah, I think that we know each other so well and we respect each other also really, I mean, a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's only been very, yeah. very good. We're very different in terms of work. We also split what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Sophie does like more like the coaching and the admin stuff and all that side. And I do more of the sales and marketing. So we work very well together in that sense. And also, yeah, like Sophie said, we're, we really, really respect each other. And so we, sometimes we just have to look, glance at each other and we understand each other. So it works really well. <laughs> That's super nice to hear. Yeah. So let's empower our audience now. Let's do kind of what you do in coaching. So before even looking at properties, what do you advise to do or, or look at? Mm -hmm. So first, take a look at your finances and your situation. So do you have capital? Do you not have capital? How also, yeah, how do you spend your money? Um, if budget is an issue and you can't save at the end of the month, that would be number one is to try to find a solution to either make more money or try to spend less. So try to budget a little bit. And then second, I would say, the strategy. So why do you want to invest in real estate? Do you want to have an income every month? Do you want to maybe pay less taxes? Do you want to prepare for your retirement? So really understand what type of strategy you're going to put in place, mm -hmm. because that's going to then help you decide on what kind of investments that you're going to make and what type of property you need to invest in. Yeah. So first, definitely knowing your numbers. Second, your why so important. And then for like the um, financial aspect, do you prefer working with a banker or a broker? A banker. Yeah, I, I mean, would say banker. Yeah, because of the long term, if you want to invest and, and do it over and over again, you really need to find someone who can understand what you want to do and what you're doing. You need to have a relationship with the person that's going to keep financing you because it does get tough. So we would say banker, but then again, like there are really good brokers out there and we're not against working with the broker, but to start off a banker, because also a broker, you just give him all the paperwork and he does the negotiating for you. And at the very beginning, it's really important to understand what you're doing and, and the process of everything, even the financing. So for you to go yourself with your little documents and your PowerPoint presentation and go try to negotiate with bankers, it's really going to help you in the long term. So really important to do it yourself and get your hands dirty uh, right off the bat. Cool. <laughs> so then you said, yeah, you needed to have a feel of the market. So how can you get a precise idea of either pricey, surface and, and locations? Now, uh, with our generation, we have a lot of information on the internet, so we can find a lot of information about the prices of the market and the good locations. But then you really need to, to have the advice and the expertise of someone who is really working on the area. So we really advise to our, the people we coach to call the, the brokers in the area and ask some of the questions, who is selling or buying the houses, who is renting, what kind of profile, what are the prices, how did they increase or not since um, yeah, the last few months of, or the few years. 
Um, so yeah, I think on the internet and, and really go and go by the agencies. Mm -hmm. And imagine then you find a place you want to visit. What are the things you would recommend being mindful of? That's a really good question. Um, I would say first look at the surrounding area. So when you arrive to the building or the house, what are the neighboring apartments or what are the neighboring houses? What do they look like? What does the street look like? And then when you go inside, if it's like a building, is it well kept? Like, is it clean? Are the common areas like nice? And then like look inside the apartment or the place, like are there any cracks or something that like jumps out? Does an expert need to come to check out cracks or something that doesn't look okay? Yeah, then we take a look to the um, diagnosis, the energy diagnosis, and um, also for the electricity, if there are things that need to be renovated. Because when it's only, you know, like the paintings or whatever, that's not really... I mean, it's a cosmetic that, issue. Yeah, that's cosmetic. So that's not really a problem. So we really take a look at things that can cost a lot of money. And also, how is the layout of the apartment or the house? How can we optimize it? Optimize it for, yeah, I don't know if we do like a co-living, how can we rebuild some of the, some rooms or, yeah, mm -hmm. we, we, we take a look at the, at the layout. That's really important. Mm -hmm. yeah. But what's really important as well is to stay mindful of, the idea behind the project because sometimes people go visit and like ah oh, I didn't like it as much and then we try to dig a little bit and they say ah oh, I wouldn't want to live there and then you're like okay but it's not for you it's for this type of person and obviously if you're a 50 year old you don't want to live in like a small tiny apartment where like a student could live like a student doesn't have the same expectations as mm -hmm. you and so that's you should also keep in mind is like look at it through the eyes of like the person that is going to live there and not necessarily yourself yeah super interesting and and for the layout as well do you go sometimes with architects or builders in order to know like what are the supporting roles or what you could do with that flat for yeah. sure yeah that's definitely the second step we don't usually go with uh, during the first visits um, but the second we definitely go with them and then because they also have different ideas than we have. And they can, as you said, like look at if the wall, you can break that wall or not. Is it, yeah, what we can do with the layout, yeah. super interesting. Mm -hmm. And how many times do you recommend visiting one specific place if you really like it? Is it once in the morning, once in the evening, just to get a feel of the atmosphere, the light, and even like the neighborhood? People, people say that, yeah, there's a restaurant the downstairs or I don't know, there's like a street with a lot of, of uh, traffic. traffic. Then we say, okay, you can maybe come back in the evening and you don't necessarily have to go back in the apartment. You can also just be outside of the building to, I don't know, feel the, the environment. But yeah, you can go once if it's really a nice place and you know what you want to do and you can make an offer immediately but you don't have to necessarily go back and visit um, if you've done your research prior and you kind of know that the location is good that the price point is good that mm -hmm. the apartment is good and you have a feel for the layout and you kind of know already if it's good you don't have to necessarily go back especially if it's properties that where you have to make a decision quite quickly sometimes we've visited places like I've gone to see them and Sophie hasn't, but I'm like, we need to make an offer right away. She's like, okay, let's do it. We just make an offer. And then you can always withdraw your offer as well. You can always 
take it back. You have a couple of days to make up your mind. So it's best to just like jump on it if you think it's really interesting and then take mm. the time to circle back and bring, yeah, architects or you yourself come back later. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So how do you make an offer then? What can you negotiate? Mm-hmm. So obviously always put it in writing, definitely put an offer in writing, obviously the amounts and then the conditions as well. You can negotiate, for example, say, okay, I'm putting in this offer, but it's, I need uh, a bank to finance the exactly. project. I yeah. need financing. So that means that if you don't get financing, you can break the offer and get away withdraw, the- withdraw from it and not have to buy the property. Mm-hmm. You can also put, for example, if you know there's going to take a lot of renovation and it's going to take a permit from the city, then you also can put, for example, I need to obtain a permit before I can, you know, so those conditions you can also put in the offer as well. You also have to put how long your offer stands for. So for example, if you really want an answer in the next like 24 hours, 48 hours, you can put a little bit of pressure on the owner to answer to your offer like quite quickly. So I would say always like price and then conditions and the, yeah. the time. And what mm-hmm. can actually negotiate depends on, on the on the place. With the, the market analysis you've done, you can, you can know that uh, you're a little bit high in the price or maybe just on price and you want to go a little bit under i would say like you can always negotiate a lot more than you think you can <laughs> so don't don't be afraid to be aggressive with the negotiation yeah and have you for example in terms of negotiating the price have you made offers like well below the asking price yeah for example the last one that we bought It was a, a crazy find, but it was um, listed as 50K and I made an offer at 30K and it was accepted at 35. So 15K is not huge, but it's still like a 15K it's negotiation amount, on yeah. a 50K property. So yeah, it's huge. Actually, if you look at uh, in percentage <laughs> terms, yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that. I mean, we always at least negotiate the notary fees. So which are about like eight to 10% if you take notary fees plus the bank fees. Mm -hmm. So we try to at least negotiate 10%, um, if not more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So out of all this process, do we miss anything? Like any other specific areas you you think of and want to talk about? Yeah, Yeah, I want to talk about, yeah, fiscality. Uh, Taxes, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people don't really know what they can do when they buy properties for uh, like rental strategies. So we try to educate them a little bit on the fiscality. That's uh, that's actually a really good point. I think sometimes people think real estate is very long term. So they think it's only going to be interesting in like 20, 25 years once they've done, they're done reimbursing the mortgage, which isn't necessarily true. And also because they think it's long-term, they don't really think about the tax aspect. They obviously think they're going to pay taxes on it, but there's a lot of ways, like, for example, if you do a lot of renovation, you can not pay taxes for like eight to 10 years. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, sometimes there's properties that you're going to buy that you already know you're going to sell in six to 10 years, because once you're done with the tax exemption, it's not going to be as interesting and like anymore. So that's also one thing is like when the initial strategy, when you start looking at, okay, I want rental income, I want this and what's that, it's really, really important to also consider the tax aspect and include it into your strategy so that you're not surprised once you start paying crazy amounts of taxes in like 10 years or 20 years mm-hmm. or... Yeah. 
Yeah, super interesting. So out of all of this process, what's your number one advice? Get started. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Honestly, get started because the thing is, it seems like a lot and it seems very scary because we're obviously talking about real estate and it's often big amounts. So it can be quite scary at first. But number one advice would be start, you know, educating yourself, start maybe surrounding by people yeah. who are experienced in, in the, the area. Yeah. yeah, talking with people who've done it before and then just get started because sometimes we restrain ourselves from doing things and we say, oh, well, I'll do it in six months, I'll do it next year, I'll do it this, and then we never get started. So yeah, just um, start educating yourself and then go after it. <laughs> Mm-mm, 100%. And when we start, we all learn on the go and we make mistakes. I mean, it's part of the process. So have you done any? And yeah, what have you learned from them? Yeah, we learn from everything that we do and everything that the people we, we coach also do. So we actually see it like lessons, everything. <laughs> Yeah, if not, maybe like the, the first house that I bought wasn't necessarily a good uh, rental investment. So I didn't earn any money on the rental. I was like on the, how do you break say, even. like a break-even uh, operation. But what we do in this case is actually see it more on the long term. And it's an area that's going to explode in kind of prices, transaction prices. So we know that there will be uh, capital that will Mm-hmm. come in in a, in a few years so the mistake would be pretty much not having considered every single possibility on that investment mm-hmm. and that's what we tell people to do now the people that we coach is okay maybe your strategy your initial strategy is to rent it as a long-term rental but would it work as like a short-term rental like imagine if you don't have like your the person who's leasing leaves and for a month you don't have anyone could you put it up for rent on short term could you sell it and make uh, money on it uh, profits how can you flip it how can you have plan a plan b plan c so it's still interesting if you know your first strategy doesn't work out and that's what we didn't do on the first property mm-hmm. and yeah, that's like the that's mistake is now and always yeah. have plan b plan c mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so with the people you coach what are the main concerns or difficulty I think a main thing that we see is a lot of people are scared to get started because they don't have all the information, mm-hmm. which makes sense because it's like quite scary to go plunge off the deep end if you have never swam in the deep area. But main concerns would be the taxes. They're always scared of like yeah. how the taxes are going to work out because it's like a difficult subject to comprehend. And also, um, yeah, be certain of the, um, the market they're going to invest in, like mm-hmm. the, the market analysis. They take a little bit of time on that. On they, They're not always sure that it's the right place. So mm-hmm. they, I think that it's really about mindset and, and yeah, they're scared. But once they, we have talked to them enough and like they gain in, in confidence. So, mm-hmm. and also uh, one thing I think we see a lot as well is like sometimes they find a really good investment and then they're like, oh, but if it's so good, why is it available? Like, (laughs) should I really go for it? Is it a trap? Why are they selling if it's so good? And so basically they don't want to jump for that property because they're scared that it's like, yeah, it it shouldn't be that good. Or like, maybe they're like, oh, this is quite okay, but like I can find better than this. 
And so they don't for necessarily go for it. So we have to coach them a lot on like, <laughs> no, it's a good one. Don't worry. It's not a trap or like, yes, it's good enough. Like go for it. Don't wait for something better to come because it might not come. And this is good enough. So yeah. <laughs> Changing mindset is cool. So what's next for you? I think that in kind of um, real estate projects, we want to buy something here in, in South of France for uh, create a, a big co-living. And in terms of business, develop the real estate agency we have also. Yeah. Yeah. And keep growing the team, keep helping more and more people. Yeah. Keep doing what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That sounds like a dream. Like, I love it. <laughs> so, Vanity, can we talk a bit about financial freedom? Because I know it's one of your interests. So, can you tell us why is it one of your goals and how do you plan to achieve it? I guess through real estate then? Yes. So, well, obviously, real estate is a big part of it, but also, obviously, investing a little bit in, into into the financial market, into crypto, into the business as well. Obviously, I also have another business on the side. So I keep trying to invest as much as possible. Why do I want to reach financial freedom? Initially, because I was lazy, to be honest. I was working for a startup in London and I said, oh, I don't want to work for someone or work at all for the rest of my life. Um, now I know myself a little bit better. So I think I'll always be busy doing something, but no, I, I do, I do understand. It's like really, really important to, you know, have your money work for you so that in case something happens, in case you want to take a year off, in case you want to retire earlier, in case I want to go pack up my things and travel the world, I can do that. You have a choice. Um, and yeah, just about having the choice and the security to do that and not have to rely on like a job or a business or, but you have like multiple things. Yeah, love that. And um, do you plan on diversifying more? So you've already started with a flat near Toulouse, but what about investing in other asset classes? So you took, you said you already had a bit in the financial markets and so on. Is it something that you want to grow? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Both of us, I think, in financial and, and yeah, continue in real estate, but not in other cities for the moment, only in South of France nearby yeah. and yeah, financial investments. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to diversify. So we're going to keep and in businesses too, <laughs> starting <laughs> other businesses. Yeah. Now we're nonstop <laughs> thinking about what's the next move and what we can do. So yes, for sure. Gonna keep yeah, that. you're in that mindset. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much, Saf and Val, for this discussion. I really enjoyed it. Real estate, as you said, is often one of the first investment that people do, and it represents a big chunk of your assets. So when you start, you'd better get it right. So thanks so much for what you said, the content, and all the best for this adventure. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. So at the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at maricafino.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you.